Welcome to With Heart and Wonder. This is a place for us to explore heart-centered living and to celebrate what it means to live with wonder, with awe and appreciation for the possibilities that are within us and around us. I'm Megan Johnston, and I am truly so honored and excited that you are here. Let's dive in and journey together. I am really looking forward to sharing today's episode with you. If you're a longtime podcast listener, you may remember that back in March, I was supposed to head to Bali for a yoga and meditation teacher training, which was facilitated by Yoga Medicine and Tiffany Cruikshank and co-led by Dr. Reshmi Bismarck. And I am so excited to have her on the podcast today. It was unfortunate that we didn't get a chance to meet in Bali. I didn't have the opportunity to to learn from her this go around in that setting, but I am thrilled to have her here today. She is talking about her new children's book that she has created, Finding Ohm. And the conversation is is so rich with her incredible insights into sharing meditation and mindfulness in ways that celebrate love, curiosity, compassion, and reverence for the philosophical and cultural history of these spiritual practices. Well, welcome, Rashmi. I am so excited to have you here today, and I'm so excited to chat more about this really incredible book that you have created and the accompanying curriculum guide, which I just love so much for Finding Ohm. And I'd love for us to start actually before we dive into the book, maybe if you were just comfortable sharing a little bit about you and your story, who you are, the work you do in this world, and what led you to create Finding Ohm. Yeah, sure. Thank you very much, Megan. Thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited to be chatting with you and with your community. So yeah, so my name is Rashmi Bismarck, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I am a physician, and my specialty is preventive medicine. So I have additional training in the realms of public health. And my clinical career has mostly been focused over the past few years on teaching mindfulness-based interventions. So I'm um, in the process of going through the training for um, certification for mindfulness-based stress reduction. And I'm also involved in a meditation teacher training program right now with Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield, who sounds true. And so, yeah, so clinically, um, I was teaching mindfulness-based programs. So these eight-week programs that take groups of patients through the basics of mindfulness and, and yoga philosophy and how to apply that to their lives and whatever um, health situation they may be dealing with. So I've done things in the settings of uh, family practice, for example, or um, I've also worked with uh, caregivers and healthcare providers. Um, When we were just recently in the UK, I was volunteering for a community cancer clinic. So working with communities of cancer patients and caregivers as well. So my, my clinical background has really been around this, really looking at how mindfulness and this relationship with awareness can really nurture our healing process and our health. And um, I'm also a mom, so I'm a married mother of two. And 
my kids were really young when I was in finishing up my residency program. And it was during that time that my one of my mentors was an MBSR uh, instructor. She was a psychiatrist. And so as I was, you know, training with her and learning more about the ins and outs of teaching mindfulness and meditation, I was really intrigued about bringing this more to my kids because being, um, so I didn't mention this already, but my, my parents immigrated here to the U.S. from India, from the state of Kerala, which is in, which is in the southern part of the country. And so, um, so much of my culture, our South Asian culture, ties in a lot of concepts from yoga philosophy, just innately, naturally, it's in so much. And so I wanted to find a way to sort of bridge all these things together because there was so much around emotional well-being and just about them learning more about themselves. And so um, I really started to integrate a lot of mindfulness with the kids from, you know, even when they were in the womb <laughs> and, and, and onwards. I really began to, at that point, really appreciate even so much more of the depth of the culture that I grew up in and the value of, of many of the rituals um, in our culture. And uh, it really made me even respect our stories and uh, small daily rituals and little things and like mantras, for example, just so much more. And so when the kids were small, there was a period of time when I was actually living with my parents for a little bit. My father, um, who has now passed, was going through a period of time which was kind of rough in his journey with cancer. And so my kids and I actually were living here with my parents at that time. And, you know, at that time we were here and I was collecting all these books um, for the kids, you know, books about mindful, picture books about mindfulness and picture books about different cultures. My husband's family is from Zimbabwe. So you know, stories from Zimbabwe, stories from India and, and South Asia. And as I was doing that, my, my dad passed the comment like, oh, you know, how come there's no yoga books or meditation books that kind of tie in Indian culture, South Asian culture? And, you know, we were just commenting on that about how, you know, there were so many books um, out there, but none that sort of tied in that cultural element um, into it. And so at that time, we kind of brainstormed ideas because he also was just living here with them, was enjoying the process of teaching my kids in the way that he had taught my sister and I. And in many ways, I think he was enjoying it even more as many grandparents often share. They feel much more present with their grandchildren in many ways since they're not having to work or do other things, you know. So he really loved the explorations with them. And um, anyway, he, he uh, his illness, you know, took a turn for the worse. And I kind of had put that idea aside for a while because it was tough to kind of think about doing something like that. And about a year after he had passed, it was actually Christmas morning. And um, my youngest daughter was like, oh, remember when Apupa had, you, oh, you and Apupa had talked about writing a book, like, let's do something, you know, we were, we were just sitting together and she had gotten a really cute journal, sparkly journal. So we took out her journal and outlined some ideas for a book on the Gayatri Mantra, which is one of their favorite mantras. Um, and what kind of came about from that was something really, really beautiful. And so um, that New Year's, I kind of formed the intention that I really wanted to kind of pursue this 
idea of writing children's books, um, perhaps around mantras, but I knew that I wanted wanted to sort of tie in uh, elements of South Asian culture and create something where um, kids from the South Asian uh, subcontinent, the Indian subcontinent or the South Asian diaspora could really see themselves in books about mindfulness and yoga philosophy and where other kids could see see us as well. And so um, I really put that intention out there and one thing led to another and I got linked up with my publisher, Mango and Marigold Press. And actually, so finding Ohm um, kind of came about because as I was outlining um, the guy through Monster Book, I, I had this introduction for parents about meditation and mindfulness and mantras and how they relate. And um, the editor I was working with was like, oh, you know, uh, this could be a book and a, a picture book. And at the time I was like, how would I make this into a picture book? You know? <laughs> and um, that summer we happened to come back home to my mom's house. And it was kind of the first summer after the year that my dad had died. And we just sitting around and you know so i think being in the house and his energy and it's like oh this should have should be about home and like within a, a week i think the the book kind of wrote itself and and so that's how finding ohm sort of came to be the the creation process for that well the start of the creation process anyway what a, a beautiful story thank you so much for for sharing that with us and what really stood out to me was just the the kind of intergenerational co-creation that was behind mm. this book and the way in which your family was all part of the process and I think that is so beautiful because one of the things that is is huge in the book as as you talked about is when I was reading through that stood out to me was really the cultural and the generational and the the kind mm -hmm. of the spirit of creating family practices together and sharing those those practices with family and so I think it's just it it just seems so special and aligned and um so powerful that the book came about as this this family process you know, starting with the conversation with your father and then chatting with your daughters on, you know, Christmas yeah. day, that, that, that is so, that is so beautiful. Can you tell us a little bit about, I think the, the book really is, um, is such a beautiful introduction to, to meditation and what I really love about the book and the curriculum guide is how much your approach is really grounded in one of uh, playful curiosity and love and that at mm -hmm. the heart is is um, a desire to to be modeling a, an introduction to meditation in a way that really is about care for ourselves and others, about compassion, and about wonder. Can you tell us a little more about kind of the role of, of love and compassion and playful curiosity when it comes to introducing meditation to kids or to adults? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing that I noticed as I was teaching more in the West uh, here in, in America and all the books that were sort of coming about, a lot of them sort of 
framed meditation as this, um, you know, way to approach problems in your life, you know, anxiety or depression or stress. And so it became this, this way to problem solve in some, in some respects, which it can be a very powerful tool for healing and for working through things. Um, it can also be many, many more things. It can also be this special way to connect with yourself and just to get to know more about yourself. Um, and that, that really was the way it was introduced to me in my home through practices of mantra and prayer and, um, you know, just sitting together and having conversations about stories and um, the ethics and, and different things that come up within our philosophy, uh, South Asian philosophies and classical Indian philosophies. And so, um, and a lot of that, what sits at the heart of that is really um, understanding our ways of knowing and our ways of caring um, to ultimately not only um, help us connect with our own potential for creativity and, and growth, but also for us to be able to serve our community, whether that's your community of your family or, or your broader community that you're a part of. So there was always this, um, this understanding that these practices um, are, are these special ways, these sacred ways that we can really connect with ourselves and that sense of how big and interconnected we all are to sort of fuel that um, relationship with our, with our inner wisdom and allowing it to flow. Um, and so, you know, for, for me, growing up in a Hindu home, um, of course, a lot of our, um, our mythology and stories played a huge part of that, right? So um, one, a big thing for, for our family, for my dad particularly, I think for us growing up, you know, um, as kids, there's a lot of playful relationship with, with uh, Ganesha, for example, who many of you may have heard of as the, the elephant-headed god who is, uh, helps us move through obstacles and lead through our life. It is also this, this playful character, right, who as kids, of course, we're so um, drawn to because of his lovable nature or whatnot. And um, also this understanding that um, that we have all of those capacities within ourselves as well, um, that playfulness and it's, uh, that ability to move through whatever we're going through. And that ultimately, a lot of that is to help us open ourselves up for that, that allow the flow of our awareness and the flow of um, different energies to kind of move through us, uh, one of which was very prominent for us growing up with Saraswati, who's the goddess of knowledge and wisdom and learning and creativity. Um, for me as a child, I was also very drawn to her. Um, I think uh, because of that, um, that inner knowing that we have this potential to really be as creative as we are meant to be. And so it becomes this, this opportunity to sort of just get curious about yourself and what you're really capable of, you know, what, what is my potential? Um, not necessarily to accomplish things, but just to get to know yourself and to know what it, this feeling is like of, of uh, allowing that creativity to flow or that knowing to flow. Um, and of course, it's that creativity and it's the love as well that that nurtures all of this is our ways of knowing and our, our ways of caring that really allow us to be so comfortable enough with ourselves that we can really become intimate with, with all of that. And I think kids really relate to that because, you know, they are naturally curious and they're naturally already caring. And so it's 
really just uh, um, for me, what I found as a mother in my direct experiences, it was just really reminding them of that in many ways, reminding them of their true nature, that when they're paying attention and getting curious about something and letting themselves get playful with it or um, really allowing themselves to care about it, then it forms a certain kind of relationship where um, that allows for that growth of learning and creativity to just sort of blossom. So I, I really, really love this kind of uh, approach of, of reconnecting with the, the, the playfulness and the, the heart and the compassion and the curiosity. And I, I so hear what you were sharing in the fact that sometimes approaches to meditation can be so much more focused on, on certain results and focused on, um, you know, whether, whether it is, uh, things like improving memory or cognition, or we can, we can focus Mm -hmm. on kind of the more, the more clinical aspects of it in how we talk about meditation when, when, as you say, like it is so much more and it's this deep opportunity to, to connect in with our essence and, and really, and, and this is, is how the book kind of ends in, in a way, um, is Anu and her Apupa talking about mm-hmm. how it's meditation is this opportunity in a way to kind of come home to ourselves and to be at peace with who we are rather than striving to be something else. And mm-hmm. I, that's such a powerful message for 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 kids i think it, and and that speaks to the ways in which meditation can really play such a transformational role in in helping us come home to ourselves which for me has always been the gift that yoga and meditation has played in in my life mm-hmm. i um i really really appreciate and i know that that part of the book is definitely about um, introducing meditation and introducing a more a more spiritual and, and culturally grounded approach to meditation. But I know that part of this project is also, as you spoke about before, in terms of creating resources and stories and that depict the um, the South Asian experience and and also create more diversity in what is available right now around mindfulness and and children and mindfulness and the book as well as I mean the curriculum guide is just such a beautiful celebration of diversity in the images that are there of different cultures and different abilities and different different types of children doing different types of learning can you tell us a little bit more about how this kind of celebration of diversity played into both the writing of the book and the curriculum guide. Yeah, I love that you noticed all of that because a lot of thought went into (laughs) making sure that that we included a lot of diversity within that curriculum guide. So thank you for noticing all of that. It was was beautiful. And yeah, and I have a background too in in educational pedagogy. And so (laughs) I could also just really tell the the care and effort that went into introducing different styles of learning when it comes to meditation, you know, like, um, like using words and visuals and the kinesthetics. It was just, it's such a, it's such a well-designed resource. I, I was just so excited to see it. Oh, yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing. There are so many different styles and ways to practice meditation. You know, 
because we're all different and what I might really connect with might be something different than what you connect with. And so really with, with the book Finding Om as well, I wanted to portray some of that too. Um, you know, I think in schools and in education right now, there's a lot of focus on mindfulness practices. So that receiving quality of awareness of receiving uh, body sensations or receiving the breath as, as it comes and goes. And, you know, the breath can also be a, a point of developing a relationship with focused attention as well, and as can mantras. And so I kind of wanted to showcase through this book, not only, you know, talking about the meaning of OM, but to sort of portray these different ways of connecting. Because in the, in the beginning of the book, um, you know, Apupa, so Apupa means maternal grand, grandfather in our language of Malayalam from Kerala, which is where my family is from. So it means mother's father. And so when Apupa is speaking with Anu, Anu's kind of getting curious about what he's doing. And he sort of begins to, to lay a little bit of groundwork for her to sort of begin this self-study. So they start this experiment to see kind of, you know, what, what might happen when, when she plays around with Om. Um, and he really kind of sets the groundwork of letting her know that, you know, it's okay. It's okay to not know and to allow her to kind of get curious to, you don't have to always have the answers right away. Right. And, um, about those ideas of just staying curious and, and confident. So, you know, I wanted to bring in some of those elements of yama and niyama from our yoga philosophy a little bit into that. Right. So, so kind of tying some, some of those elements into there. So, once we're thinking about the attitudes that we're bringing to a practice, um, and then he he's, gives her very basic directions. He just says, you know, pause to feel your body, breath, and mind. Allow your mantra to be held softly in your heart. And then pay attention with kindness and care to everything that happens next. And throughout the book, she kind of plays around with different styles of meditation. So in the beginning, it's this more um, focused attention sort of practice where she's allowing OM to be a repetitive focus and anchor for her to keep coming back to. Um, just like for some kids, maybe they've done practice like that with the breath, for example. So it becomes this repetitive anchor that you return to, to sort of begin to um, connect with that sense of stability and, and groundedness within yourself. And then, you know, once, once she's feeling more focused and centered, one of my favorite spreads is one where she sort of has, she, she's so calm and within herself, it allows for this insight to arise where, you know, she's suddenly realizing, well, if, if Ohm's the vibration of the universe, you know, then I don't have to keep chanting it or quietly whispering it in my heart. Um, it's already here. So maybe I can, I can listen for it. And so it's this bubbling up of insight that, that arises, which then, transitions her into a more of a receiving attention so she begins to receive the sounds that are around her she's you know receiving her body sensations so um and so it's this different way that she now begins to connect with herself and her environment around her um and that sort of all culminates in a in a in a sort of I, what i call the samadhi page <laughs> where she's kind of really connecting with that sense of peace and aliveness within her experience, right? So um, there's so many ways to, to really connect with that, whether it is through that a more focused, attentive sort of way or with a more receptive attention sort of way. Um, and that 
you know, it's really, I think, about what you connect with and, and moving from there, spending some time with, with the practice and then and then challenging yourself in some ways to try to try something else and see how something else goes. So in the curriculum guide kind of moves you through basically the, the same kind of practices that Anu's done. I think there it starts off with an anchoring sort of practice and then moves on towards uh, listening and receiving sounds and um, and then the, the re receiving body sensations. And what I love with that one too is um, the, the the picture that's there where you can sort of draw or write in what you what you feel my that's actually something that my kids have always loved doing um actually after a meditation practice when we're talking and reflecting or you know they love getting their journals out and sort of drawing whatever they were feeling and the colors and all that stuff so um so yeah so there's a lot of different ways within the curriculum guide to connect and then of course we extend it a little bit and so how do you move from that seated sort of more formal type of practice to bringing it more and more into your everyday life where you bring it in, bring that same connection to your awareness into movement. So there's a little bit of description about walking meditation in there as well. Yeah, it's it's um, it's such a beautiful, I think, introduction to, to so many different ways of exploring meditation and and exactly as you say, because we all connect with different with different types of meditation. And I know you talk too in in the guide and and in the book about that these are kind of opportunities to or invitations for inquiry and that mm. they can be adapted based on you know a child's age or a child's own cultural heritage mm -hmm. or a child's own spiritual practices um and it's just such a uh, a really powerful invitation i think to to make the practice feel aligned with our own hearts and to get curious about about what's possible inside of us and around us absolutely and and, and that's something i think is so important because you know and, um I don't know if you read through all the discussion questions at the end of that curriculum guide too, where you know um, there's a lot of prompts for children and their caregivers to really have discussions around. Well, what 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 do I already do that helps me connect with my awareness? You know, what are some spiritual things, spiritual activities I already engage with? And you know, to really kind of think about how all these things are interrelated. I think. So many practices across the world, uh, so many spiritual practices and religions across the world have integrated this kind of ways of connecting to ourselves, whether it's through a repetitive prayer or practices of inquiry. Um, there are so many practices of medic meditation across the globe. And so really thinking about, um, you know, well, what does my family maybe already do? And you know, and to, like you said, to, to bring in your own spiritual uh, traditions, if that is something that you have. Om is something that's, you know, a syllable that's sacred for Hindus and uh, in Jaina philosophy is, as well as Buddhists um, use the mantra Om. But, you know, may, maybe maybe that's uh, not something you connect to and maybe there's a prayer in um your own family's tradition or something else or a word that's inspiring for you. So there, there's just so many possibilities and the, the guide sort of takes you through that. It's the, the, the point of the mantra, of course, part of it is helping us to um, kind of gain that relationship with our attention and that focus and concentration. But uh, another big part of it is um, the cultivation of certain qualities and uh, 
within ourselves as well, that embodiment of something, right? So maybe with Ohm, it's that embodiment of connection and interconnectedness with the universe, for example. Um, but maybe you might choose the, the, um, the simple word love and really try to connect with that embodied sense of love that might be here right now as well. So there's really so many possibilities that are there. Yes, absolutely. The, um, the guide after walking through different kind of invitations for, for meditation and for reflection, you turn to um, a really important conversation between the difference of appreciating and appropriating. And mm. I know that this is a conversation that um, has been around for, for quite some time in the yoga community, but is definitely um, maybe coming a little bit more to the forefront. It, it might appear in, in kind of recent years. And, and I love that you provide opportunities to engage this conversation with children and, and age-appropriate ways to kind of talk about the, the ways that um, that Om is is maybe as as a word, as a mantra, as a symbol, being used in ways that are more commercialized and appropriating rather than appreciating. Can you talk a little bit about writing this part of the guide and and some of the things that you wanted to kind of highlight? And I really I loved, for instance, how you included links to clips from popular children's films where where the the kind of the depiction of om and these sacred practices um was was done in a way that maybe didn't have reverence for the practices themselves and for the really rich spiritual origins of these practices yeah yeah so this was something which was really important for me to include. Um, you know, part of the motivation for writing the book, of course, was all of these family experiences I was having. But part of it too was, you know, as I've been engaging more in different um, spheres of mindfulness um, within healthcare and uh, wellness, um, there's just a lot of misperceptions about what mantras are, what, you know, um, Om and what it means and the, the symbol is, you know, used in so many different ways. So I really wanted to provide a way to explore how interrelated these practices are. So when this book came out, actually for me, it was, um, I was a little bit nervous about it because when I do teach in a, in a healthcare setting, I don't really bring in a lot of my, these cultural elements. I don't get to share um, a lot of these things, which do also sing in my heart, right? The the, um, the mythology and um, the the science behind and philosophy behind um, mantra or our uh, different elements of yoga philosophy, for example. When I'm teaching in a healthcare setting, uh, it's not always appropriate to sort of bring bring that into into that sphere. And so I was a little bit nervous about sharing more about of that side, especially because I uh, had been teaching in these more secular sort of settings, although secular, um, I should say more mainstream, is still touching upon so so much 
spiritualness in terms of this developing this sacred relationship with ourselves, but I don't really bring religion into it, right? So I was a little bit nervous about um, about this whole uh, feeling vulnerable about about talking more about this because I wasn't sure how it would be accepted in schools. Um, you know, I think when you're teaching in in schools, especially here in the United States. Um, and even some healthcare settings, for example, you're not allowed to use Sanskrit, for example, or, you know, you have to adapt the practice in, in different ways so that it's separated from any sort of religious connotation. And so I, I was a little bit nervous about how it would be received. Um, and, you know, during the process of exploring the book and um, with my publisher, um, you know, as I was kind of voicing my fears around this um, and how it would be received, you know, we we were talking about, well, how, you know, we can reframe this in a way to demystify um, a lot of these practices, because I think there is an element of orientalization that happens around yoga and mystery and mysticism included some elements that really um, talked about the cultural relevance of, of OM and what what it really um, is for, particularly for people who, for whom this is something that's important from a religious standpoint. So this is that's kind of what motivated us to sort of add this portion into it, um, was to sort of, again, demystify it a little bit and then talk a little bit, you know, when something is mystified or orientalized, in some ways it becomes an object that people think that they can just sort of use in any sort of way. and. Um, the script of OMID is pretty, right? So you see, you see it often being used for people's logos and this and that, or it'll be, you know, on different products. When we were doing research for including products that have OM on it, I mean, we found some crazy stuff, even things we couldn't really include that were inappropriate for kids. You know, I think we found a beer <laughs> that had the OM symbol on it. Um, what else? like underwear, you know, like all oh sorts of stuff. Oh my gosh. Stuff, right? <laughs> so, so, so like you, you see all sorts of stuff, you know, and um, so it's, it's all out there. Um, so we really wanted to create something for kids to sort of have a tangible understanding of, of you know, how, how do you show respect and, and what are some ways that, that perhaps may be disrespectful. Um, and so to, to create this part of it, we were really lucky to have um, Archa Srivastava help us with this. Archa is educational and content director for a really awesome um, children's book subscription service called The Little Feminist. And um, Archa is also a yoga teacher. Uh, so that was really nice to have her on board. And um, with The Little Feminist, she's, she develops a lot of educational content around the books that they um, send out in their subscription boxes. And a lot of them have to do with inter uh, feminism, but other intersectional issues. Um, and so she was already really well versed in sort of um, addressing issues like cultural appropriation. So with her help, we sort of crafted this whole section of the guide as along with kind of a description of what appreciation versus appropriation might be um, for kids to kind of look at. And we wanted to make sure that we included things that they could engage with other kids or adults around, which is why we included these these video clips as well, because you know so, some of them 
uh, treat the subject with, with much more respect than others do, right? So I, I don't know if you watched some of them. Um, and maybe did, you, were, you yeah. were already familiar with some of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And and it's and and it's interesting, and people have different reactions to that, you know. And um, you know, Kung Fu Panda, for example, I thought did a really beautiful job of really talking about some of those things. And you know, but then that maybe in contrast to some of the other things um, that are there, you can you know explore um, the discussion. But it's, it isn't always clear. But really, what's at the heart of it, you know, are um, one one big part of it is the power dynamic, right? So it's not only taking the symbol or the practices out of context and perhaps using them for commercial or gain or entertainment, but it's also understanding that really power is, is at the heart of the dynamic. So um, when you're in a position pow of power or a dominant culture, who's able to just take parts of a marginalized culture and use them however way that you want without really thinking about the ramification of what that would mean for the culture that you're depicting. Um, you know, that, that's, that's when you start entering that realm of, of appropriation. Um, so, yeah, so I, I hope that, that people appreciate that. It was really important for us to kind of include that, especially since we were talking about talking about OM, which um, you know, is one of the most cherished mantras in our South Asian thermic tradition. So. Yes, yes. Now, Ashwin, you spoke about the vulnerability of of creating something that was so close to your heart and and putting it out into the world and i know i think there was maybe a, a soft launch earlier in the spring and then it was i believe at the beginning of july that the book is now widespread available so i'm not sure yet if you if you heard that much but i'd love for you to share any kind of stories or, or what the reception has been like or, or what it's felt like to have this out in the world now? Yeah, you know, it's, it's been, it's been great. It's so hard because we haven't been able to do in-person things yet and I'm so dying to interact with kids. Um, so, but, you know, definitely um, it's, it's been embraced, which has been lovely. And, you know, also because, because um, there is this, desire to make sure that we're diversifying our bookshelves and, and creating opportunities for our kids to see other cultures and learn about other faith, faiths. Um, you know, it's not only our, our yoga and meditation and mindfulness communities that have been really um, loving about this book, but, but even, you know, children's literature and, and librarians really eager to sort of um, learn more about the book as well. Um, and, and really allowing it to be a way to uh, to share um, our you know faith and cultural traditions from South Asia with with all kids. So I'm really excited about that. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it 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 did feel really vulnerable sort of talking about um, talking about my faith and all all of these aspects. I think because you know um, especially being like I said, being in healthcare and being a physician, sometimes you know, it's not all, it's not always uh, welcomed to be sharing about those things. So, so I'm glad I found an outlet for me to be able to do that um, in a creative way. So it's really special for me on many levels. Yes, absolutely. And I know at the beginning you spoke about this vision of of having 
maybe multiple books exploring different mantras? Is that something that you see in the future? Yeah, absolutely. So the Gayatri Mantra book, which had originally started, is currently in the works. I'm really excited about that. And, you know, I had actually outlined a whole series of them. So we'll see how far they go. <laughs> um, Amazing. But yeah, I, yeah, I really wanted to, to share um, these mantras that, that a lot of us who grow up in Hindu households, you know, learn. And uh, sometimes, um, sometimes we may learn what, what the words mean, sometimes we may not, or we may not know how to work with it. And so I really wanted to create a series where families can sort of explore things together in different ways using um, inquiry around the, the meanings um, and, and what that means for, for us and our own well-being and also in the ways that we can show up for ourselves and others. And like you, we had started about with, with that bringing compassion um, and care into the ways that we interact with ourselves and others. Yeah. That's incredible. I am so looking forward to, to this series as it continues to unfold and I'm so grateful for this work that you are doing and sharing and just I, I have so much love for, for this book and, and the curriculum guide and, and I'm so eager to share it with more more folks in my own life. I would love for you to to share if folks are, are curious and learning more about the book or, or more about you, is there a way, is there somewhere you would direct them? Yeah, absolutely. So um the book Finding Om, you can find it at my publisher's website, which is mangoandmarigoldpress.com. It's also on Amazon and at barnesandnobles.com. Um, also, your local bookstores, a lot of local bookstores really um, have been struggling, especially during COVID right now. So I, I highly recommend that you check out your local bookstore and indie bookstores that are nearby for free to download at mangomarigoldcraft.com. So that, that's a free resource that anyone can, can download. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. And I'll be sure I'll, I'll include a, a link in the podcast description for anyone listening for the curriculum guide and, and for Mango and Marigold to check out the book. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your the story of this book, for sharing this work that you're doing, I am I'm so grateful. Oh, thank you so much, Megan, for inviting me um, to chat more about it. I am so excited for more people to read it and to hear about people's experiences with it. So make sure you also follow me on Instagram and tag Finding Ohm um, once you get the book. Amazing. Thank you so much. And that's today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me and thank you so much to Rashmi. I will be sure to link all the information on her book and the curriculum guide within the podcast description so you can go check that out. I am looking forward to the next time our paths cross. New episodes release every Tuesday and you can always subscribe to be sure that you get notified every time a new episode is available. In the meantime, keep living with heart and wonder.